Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The vaccine does not work against Omicron. Period. If you want to say anything else, you are a science denier, a liar, a fraud, a huckster. You are guilty of misinformation. You should be thrown off Twitter. You should be sent to the gallows. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's that's the political left talking about me saying, hey, if you want to take ivermectin, your doctor's cool with it. Go right ahead. Tony Katz. <laughs> Tony Katz today. How you doing? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Honestly, does anybody want to make this argument that the vaccine works against Omicron? I would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you because, well, you haven't read any of the science. The latest study comes out of Israel. It's a very, very simple conversation that's being had. The conversation goes as follows. They took a look at people, not many people, 270 medical workers at Sheba Hospital. 154 received the Pfizer vaccine and 120 received the one from Moderna. In both cases, bloop, bloop, that is two jabs. Bloop, bloop, that's that's, that's how I do a jab, by the way. That's, That's how you create theater of the mind, people. So you got the two jabs, bloop, bloop. And then they did a booster, bloop, and they did another booster, bloop. So you had bloop, 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 four. Four times they've taken a shot. And in the clinical trials in both groups, they found an increase in antibodies only slightly higher than following the third vaccine and also stated that the increased antibodies did not prevent the spread of Omicron. The importance of this conversation is to put an end to the people who claim that getting vaccinated, that is the way out of this virus. That's the way out of this pandemic. No, it is not. From the New York Times, the Omicron shift in Europe, pandemic or endemic? Do we, do we need to do definitions? Because I don't mind. I don't mind doing definitions. I think it's very, very important to know what words mean and how they get utilized and why. So let us do this. A pandemic widespread, an epidemic over a wide geographic area affecting a large proportion of the population. Endemic, growing or existing in a certain place or region. There's the difference. Talking about scope. Endemic diseases versus pandemic diseases. The real conversation here is that people are learning after just so much time of being abused that they have to get on with their lives. They have to live. We have shown conclusively, undeniably, that lockdowns don't work. And to the people in, 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 in my city, you guys know I'm in Indianapolis, to the people in my city who said of me, I was going to get people killed, it's important to note what no good, low-class, dirty liars you were 
what frauds and what hucksters, what fear mongers you were. What did I say? You can't save society by stopping society. You can't. It can't be done. You can't stop. I oppose lockdowns from the beginning. What I like to do is give people a touch of grace. In those first two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, remember? 15 days to flatten the curve. Two weeks to flatten the curve. I give on that, man. America was in. And let's not forget that America was in for that. Okay, we've got a virus. Okay, we need two weeks. We need to lay low and this thing passes and we're not engaged in spread. We're going to flatten the curve to help hospitals. Okay. The vast majority of America was in for that. And I would argue to an extent, although it feels so long ago, even though it was two years ago, this has been going on for two years, that there was an extent to which people felt that they were, they were actually in it together. And that fell apart very, very quickly. And it fell apart when you said, well, this is going to go into months. And celebrities start telling us how, what, a, yeah, what a tough time they were having while they're in 9,000 square foot homes. And they have their own workout facility in a swimming pool. Meanwhile, there's a kid named Steve who has an abusive father in one and a half rooms in the city somewhere who can't escape. And celebrities learned that maybe no one actually gives a damn what they think about a damn thing. But we learned that you couldn't stop society. And what we have done to kids and what we have done to businesses is dreadful. Specifically what we've done to children when it comes to education. We ruined them. Because a bunch of adults are a bunch of scared little children. Including the pseudo-intellectuals that exist in my fair city. Even now, they still want to fight us. But the story out of the New York Times, it's the New York Times for the love of the Lord. It's hard to believe anything they say. When they're playing a story like this, they are showing how much things have changed. You know how much things have changed? We no longer have reportings of daily deaths. I think I shared this the other day. We no longer share from hospitals. There is uh, documentation from the Health and Human Services dated January 6th saying hospitals no longer are required to report daily COVID-19 deaths to the federal government as of February 2nd. I guess the midterms must be coming. Those numbers no longer matter, don't you know? We don't need to know how many people are dead because, well, if we do, that could get used politically against people we like. Or it could be, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's totally that. Or it could be that we have finally reached the moment where people don't want crazy anymore. They're tired of crazy. They're tired of being called awful. They're tired of the nonsense bigotry. They don't want it. They're tired of being told that they're bad people. They don't want it anymore. And good on them. And it could be that the data is just irrefutable. 
this Israeli study puts an end to the idea that we're going to stop variants. Omicron is the flu. Omicron is a cold. However you want to describe it. You, everybody you know, is sick somehow, some way. Both my parents were. I was. My wife was. My kids were. We all happen to be okay right now. Me, the slightest of coughs. The slightest. Yet it gets exacerbated by doing the show, which is so strange. It's the talking and, and the way I do it and the vocal patterns. Everything. It, it doesn't happen when I'm just, you know, re- relaxed. It doesn't happen when I'm having a cigar. It doesn't, doesn't happen here. Right? It doesn't happen in, in those places. It only happens... When, when I'm, really, when I'm doing the show, it's, 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 it's crazy. But everyone gets it. Okay, Omicron is here. It, does, it isn't killing anybody. And the vaccine doesn't work against it, which is normal and I should say rational because it wasn't built for Omicron. Now, was it? It was built for COVID and happened to work on Delta. And I believe it does work. It wasn't built It wasn't built for Omicron. So anybody who still says you have to be boosted in order to come into work, that's not science. That is something else. Fear or just generalized ignorance. It's one or the other. I don't want to be angry with anybody. It's just fact. Your CEO, your president of your company, your owner says you have to be vaccinated against Omicron. It, It doesn't exist. And why would anybody get a vaccine if you're just going to be sick for a little while? People could decide, I'm not getting a vaccine for this. Which brings us to the CDC, an organization that nobody trusts. I swear to you, the CDC website, when you go to the website, it, it it should be met. With this sound right here, like when you go to cdc.gov. No one trusts. No one believes. They now have a recommendation. Canceling uh, band. Canceling sports that put people in close contact. Contact. Stop high-risk sports and extracurricular activities or hold them remotely. This sort of thing. Actually being recommended now. After all of this, after everything we know, after all the data points, the CDC is saying, well, we prioritize academics above athletics, so we shouldn't have the after-school activities to ensure that kids are safe. Kids are safe. They'd be safer if they weren't wearing masks. The mask doesn't work against Omicron at all. The cloth mask definitely uh, doesn't work. Masks that have a three millimeter gap, according to the University of Waterloo study, have a 3% efficacy. And even those that don't have the gap don't do much good until you get into the N95s and the KN95s and the best of luck wearing one of those masks for hours at a time. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's an irrational thought, especially when talking about children. So there you go. There is there there is your COVID talk for the day. Just madness afoot. And the pushback has to increase. Our kids have to get out of masks in schools. 
Everyone needs to be fully open and back to their lives. And if someone is feeling ill and they choose to wear a mask, don't mock them, don't shame them. They're making a choice and they actually want to do something. If we are now a society that wears a mask when you're not feeling well, that's fine. I think that's fine. Healthy people wearing a mask is irrational, is indecent. And of course we should push back. Just like we should push back on the idea that vaccination will help with Omicron. No, it won't. And even inventing a vaccine for Omicron won't help because it doesn't kill. Very hard to force people to take something that at the very most is going to make them feel bleh for three days. Because that's what's happening in the vast number of cases. And people are more than willing to play the odds on that one. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Jen Psaki, she's the White House press secretary. They're having their uh, daily briefing. Talking about progress on the economy. Holy crap. Here, listen. ...of anywhere in the world. It was the biggest year of job growth in American history, and it was the direct result of actions taken by President Biden and Democrats in Congress, including the American Rescue Plan. The vaccination effort, it helped fund, and now the bipartisan infrastructure law. Uh, and you can see uh, the economic data there uh, quite starkly. I mean, look at the initial unemployment claims. They're on average... Uh, they're 800, they were at 812,000 a year ago. They're now at 210,000. The unemployment rate and obviously job creation the year before the president took office and the last year. As it relates to COVID, uh, if we look to a year ago, only 1% of adults were fully vaccinated. 74% of adults are fully vaccinated now. In terms of at-home tests on the market, now we've talked about tests a lot, zero on the market a year ago. Now we have 375 million people per month, or tests are distributed, I should say, per month. Uh, 46% of schools were open a year ago, now over 95%. Uh, This is progress that's been made. Obviously, there's more work that's going to be done that needs to be done. The job is not done yet. That is unbelievable how she is lying with such a straight face and a smile on her face, taking credit for things that are not hers. No new jobs have been created in the Biden administration in this past year. People have gone back to their old jobs and still not completely. I'm saying for the record, Jen Psaki's a liar. That was a lie. That's what they're touting? Ugly stuff. Now she's answering some questions. I don't know if she's going to make us laugh or cry with this stuff. Um, The president's view is that the American people deserve to see uh, where their leaders stand on protecting their fundamental rights. That is a reason to move forward with this debate uh, and this vote uh, this week. And his view is also that opposing rule changes to make the protection of voting rights a reality is supporting an an obstacle to protecting voting rights. It's part of the important process. In terms of uh, what, so we will continue to, and, and you've heard the president say, and I'm sure he will reiterate for you if anyone asks him tomorrow, that until his last breath, he will be fighting for the protection of voting rights. So he wants to protect voting rights by doing something that only progressives want to do, even though they're the minority in this case. And anybody who opposes them opposes voting rights. That's the position of the White House press secretary. Now, what she's referring to is that Joe Biden 
is indeed scheduled tomorrow to be having his very, very first press conference of the year. Which I assume he's going to say at least once during the press conference. I I got to assume. I got to assume that it's just, it's going to be just a a show. Is he going to call American citizens Bull Connor again? You disagree with me? You're just a racist and a bigot? I get why the administration is spinning. I get what they're doing. What else are they supposed to do? What's interesting is what will they learn? We can all agree things are not good. Things are not good in America. They're not. Call it the malaise or whatever it is you will of the Carter administration or go back further in history. Things are not good. And people don't feel comfortable. I talk about the importance and the value of consumer confidence. It doesn't exist. Businesses are not confident. People are not confident in opportunities for growth. I'm talking about on Midwest Main Street. Wall Street is always very, very different. There are people still making billions, and there are still opportunities that exist out there for entrepreneurs. But if you have a business where you're reliant on product and the product doesn't show up, because of inflation, because of supply chain, and the Biden administration is of no help, and no new jobs are created. Look at all the people still hiring out there. Well, you're left saying that this administration has failed us. The question is, when you take a look at the data, and I'll get some of the data coming up, does the Biden administration understand this? Do Democrats understand this? And do they change gears? And when you take a look at this disaster... Do the Republicans have the mind to figure out how to utilize it to their advantage? There was a piece from Kurt Schlichter, who we've had often on on the show, longtime friend uh, of mine personally, over there at townhall.com about the Biden administration failures. Well, they are failures. But can Republicans, uh, can Americans realize how to change their ways to limit these failures? And will Democrats learn anything from them? Kurt Schlichter is up next to discuss it. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. There are two conversations at play. The first is the level of discord in the Democratic Party. And the second is the feeling that the clock is ticking and there's only so much time. Because clearly, while you may disagree with the political left, you might agree with the political left. But you can't deny that they're on the clock, that the midterms look absolutely miserable for them. 
that based on every indication today and the polling that I've gone through to prove it, if you're going to believe any level of polling, that they have only a year left in power, they will lose the House and the Senate. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Things are indeed worse under Joe Biden. I don't believe this is something that's denied by rational Americans. But the question is, just because it is, doesn't mean that the Democrats are going to stop doing what they're doing. And now leads us to wonder whether or not Republicans have the wherewithal to grab voters that they may not normally grab. What opportunity has been created and how much worse can it get? Kurt Schlichter joins us right now, columnist at Town Hall. His latest, Everything is Worse Under Biden, is available there at townhall.com. He is also the author of the Kelly Turnbull series of books, the latest being The Split by Kurt Schlichter. You can find that at Amazon.com. You can get the entire series of books from the People's Republic, Indian Country, Wildfire Collapse, Crisis, and The Split, which is the newest one. Kurt Schlichter joins us right now. Let's start with just your piece, because my questions are have been in my head and, and are, come naturally as spinoffs to what it is that you're discussing. You write, since Trump left, everything has gotten worse. Everything... And you go through that that laundry list of things. The question before us is, is any of this really deniable that things are worse under Joe Biden? It is not, Tony Katz. And thanks for having me this morning and shamelessly plugging my books. You didn't plug the fact that you did the audiobook of uh, People's Republic. I did uh, not, that I do the audiobooks of all Kurt Schlichter's books. But, but you know, <laughs> people will find that out in due time. I want to get into this subject. Well, let me let me tell you, I am, as all Californians are, I'm in my car on the road. And in the last 30 seconds, I have passed a shuttered uh, Nordstrom's and I am gazing on a shuttered Starbucks. This is unprecedented. This is not something we've seen in a long time. Two huge buildings in an affluent area of Los Angeles and they are closed down, windows, windows shut. I see, uh, you know, I see evidence of homeless people wandering about. I, 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 I'm looking at folks. There's the occasion. There's a guy with a mask going by. Nobody's smiling. Uh, a bus comes by. Warning people, you have to wear a mask. Everything, it's everywhere you look, Tony, it's just ugly and worse. Everywhere. So the question before us becomes twofold. You know, as, as a man who has served in the military, retired colonel, United States Army, you're a trial lawyer uh, by trade. You are fully aware through your study and through your, through your experiences that when people are backed into a corner, very rarely do they say, oh, yeah, that's where I made the mistake. They get backed into a corner, and as animals do, they tend to react and respond in violent ways, which says to me that the Democratic Party is not done going down a road that clearly isn't working for America. So let's start with that. Do they learn a lesson and pull out from this progressive nightmare, or do they double down on it? Well, the pre uh, your premise is wrong that uh, in the sense that they would learn that their policies are not working and change them to policies that work. 
that's not the principle of leftism. That's not what they want. What they want is power. And, Tony, there is no bottom. Look at Venezuela. Look at Cuba. You've taken, uh, I mean, they took, a, the, the leftists took an island full of Cubans and made it poor. They know the answer. The answer is right across the water in Miami. Let these people work. Let them build companies. Let them prosper. But no, that's not what they want. They want their own power. And if everybody's miserable, that's a small price to pay for them being in charge. Talking to Kurt Schlichter, columnist at townhall.com. His latest book, The Split, available at amazon.com. Check out the entire Kelly Turnbull series. Fantastic, fantastic book series you are going to love. So the power is is the thing. Now, I, I have made clear that people talk about, well, they want power and they want control. They want to control you. I always argue what they want is to move their ideology forward. And when you will not allow them to do so, they have to control you, prevent you from doing things for your own good to allow the ideology to take hold. I think that's the more appropriate way to address the subject. Well, I, I think you're wrong. And the reason I think you're wrong is look at their ideology. Their ideology shifts. And we've seen seismic shifts here, uh, Tony, uh, to meet the needs of their power. For instance, you remember not so long ago, the Democrats were the party of the hardworking working man, the guy who drives the truck, the guy who builds the buildings, the hard hat. That was, those were the Democrats. Now those people are racist, sexist, cisgender monsters of terror. They, they have moved now. Now they've got their bizarre intersectionality thing, which they didn't have 40 years ago. They've got, you know, college professors and, uh, you know, sexually unsatisfied suburban wine women. Those are their constituents now. That is what they changed their ideology to match. The ideology of the Democrats today, I was talking about with my family. You might not know it. I come from a Democrat family back in Pennsylvania. And they all turned Republican. They were they, they ran all the uh, you know all the county jobs, all the city uh, government. They were they were in charge, and they were Democrat. And they were mad at my dad when he became a Republican. But now the whole family's Republican because the Democrats left them in a search for power. But the Republicans, we haven't changed that much. And I argue that the Democrats left them, which I agree with in a continued lurch leftwards, which changed the ideology. And since that ideology changed, the power comes underneath it. That's my argument that to say it's de facto about power, no, it's always about some ideology and therefore they have to have power to do it. This entire conversation about voting rights that we see, they are, you follow these things very well. They don't actually care about voting rights. They care about voting their way. And they state it as something about rights. But of course it is about ensuring that they have control. I only make the point that they like to top line it with, with ideology and then the power part comes underneath. But you brought up something very interesting. And you talked about uh, the, the, the suburban soccer mom. That is the demographic that gave us Joe Biden. I don't think that's a deniable thing to say. So are Republicans capable of taking a look at what the Democrats have done and instead of getting angry with the people who voted for Biden, saying, you know what, 
let's talk about what we're going to do going forward. And here's how we want you to vote for this party. And here's where we are. And this is why it's so much better than that. And you even know that for yourself. Are they smart enough to do it? Or is it all going to be, you did this to us, you terrible person, be ashamed forever? Uh, well, in fact, Tony, I think they're going too far reaching for kind of the mushy middle in the sense that if you saw um, uh, Kevin McCarthy's, he's he, calling it contract with America, but he says, these are our, you know, these are our goals. And you look at it and they're fine goals. Uh, and they were especially fine when we first heard them in 2005 and read them in the weekly standard. But they don't really touch on what's going on. You didn't, you, you know, you didn't see CRT. You didn't see end mask mandates. You didn't see uh, 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 reject the racist uh, polarization of our society. You didn't see those things. You just saw kind of, kind of mushy, soft stuff. We don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to scare the wine women in the suburbs. But you know who gave us Glenn Youngkin in Virginia? It was wine women whose kids came home if they were lucky enough to go to school or who, who they stopped by and looked at the screen while their kid was in, quote, unquote, remote learning uh, and saw, you know, hey, kid, you're a, you know, you, 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 you're you're a monster. You're you're you you caused slavery, five year old. And they and they rejected it. Well, and they were right to uh, reject it. We're thrilled that we're reje that they rejected it. What we've seen from uh, Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin in these first couple of days in Virginia is something I'd like to see from Indiana's Governor uh, Eric Holcomb, but he will not play on those issues. But I think that's exactly the point. So I'm not quite sure where you are on, on, on the mushy stuff, because actually I'm seeing it the other way, that I don't see the Republican Party doing enough to say, you voted for Biden because you didn't want mean tweets. Well, you know what? That didn't get you anywhere. You, this is why you should be voting for Republicans. And yes, you I, might I find agree. some people that I you agree. find a little bit unpleasant, I, I but the, so what? Well, look, the Republicans have to say your fight is my fight. The things we're concerned about uh, are what you are concerned about. And uh, uh, I advised a candidate yesterday, stop listening to consultants telling you to, what to tell the voters. Listen to the voters. Follow them. Glenn Youngkin, who I write about on uh, Thursday in town hall, day after tomorrow, he, he, what he did, is he did the two-step lesson of Trump. The real lesson of Trump is not make fun of Rosie O'Donnell. The real lesson of Trump is find out, you know, understand what your people are concerned about and address those issues, even though you'll get a lot of pushback from the establishment. And then once you're in, do what you said. Yep. Very simple. That's 90% of the Trump recipe right there. It's amazing how uh, that, that, I mean, something you and I have discussed uh, for, for a long while, and you could actually, uh, Kurt has a book that I did the audio book for called Militant Normals. Uh, that you should uh, check out because it kind of it kind of precursors some uh, of of these things. We all come from and and you you more than me because I was more on the outside there. I was doing my own thing. Uh, the, this world of Andrew Breitbart, the the late great Andrew Breitbart, and the, and the whole conversation of culture. When people say you're just trying to fight a culture war, hell yes, and I plan on winning uh, the, the 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 culture war. But for the amount of time we have been, and we were all in Los Angeles at the same time together when I lived there, yep. uh, Larry O'Connor, Kira Davis, a whole host of people, 
Ben Why Shapiro. would Washington, D.C. not come to us to figure out how to move these messages? Instead, they always play in those same consultant fields, those same nonsense people who aren't connected. They're only connected to other consultants trying to figure out how to get a check. Understanding the people is easy. You listen and you share. You, you, you respond. You engage. This doesn't take much. But still to this day... Republicans are bad at it, what has been a boon for Republicans is that Democrats have decided to give up talking to their people altogether. Instead, they're lecturing to their people, demanding fealty of them. Uh, I think that is exactly right in every sense. Uh, the, one of the big problems we have is the consultant class. That, And if you go and have a drink with them, they'll tell you how little they respect the base in many cases. They think normal Republicans, largely not all of them, uh, think normal Republicans are kind of half-wits who need to be led by the nose. And that only smart folks like them have the vision to put forward an agenda. And that's not true. If you listen to the people, they'll tell you what they care about. They don't care about you know, the fact that it's a little harder for dumb and lazy people to vote than it could be. They, they don't care. They do care when they walk into a store and there's no milk. That is undoubtedly it. And, and, and by the way, I, I, I would still disagree that anything that we've seen out of Georgia or, or some of these other places make it harder uh, to vote because someone can't get a bottle of water in line does not make things tough. Bring your own bottle no, uh, it, of water. It, it doesn't make it harder. It, it's all a lie. It's all ridiculous. And it's crazy considering... Look, it, Voting voter ID, which the Democrats would ban, is like at 74 percent popularity. There is nothing. I, I mean, except for maybe the flag and Betty uh, White, there is nothing in American society that 74 percent of us agree on. But we agree on that. And the Democrats have chosen not only to disagree with it, but to call people who advocated Bull Connor. Insane. And thus why they, they are flailing, thus why I'm worried about what they may try and get do, done in the next year. Yes, I will agree that no, they won't learn. It is only my hope that Republicans understand how to reach out to these disaffected people who may, may very well learn that even though you don't like the guy, the policies are the things that your family relies on. Kurt Schlichter yes. is his name. Uh, check out the book uh, there at Amazon.com, the split at Amazon.com, and all the books from Kurt Schlichter and his columns at townhall.com. Kurt, always a pleasure, man. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. It really is a must-read, this piece from Andrew Sullivan. The trans movement is not about rights anymore. Because that's absolutely positively true. And I have debated this subject. Man decides they're a woman. I don't get it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's great to be with you. I'm saying out loud I don't get it. You know I don't have to get it. I don't have to get it. I don't have to be the guy who understands it. I don't decide anything for your life. I don't have to get it. Um, uh, you, you decide to live a certain way, that's on you. You call yourself a different name, 
I have no problem with that whatsoever. People can change their name anytime they want. If you were born Steve and now you say your name is Cheryl, I'll, tell, I'll call you Cheryl. What, what, whatever. I won't call you she. Because that's me actively lying to myself and I refuse to lie to myself. I will not lie to myself. Not now, not ever. I've been through that phase of my life and I won't be a part of it anymore. And it is very obvious, and I had this conversation on, on News Nation Now a couple weeks ago, debating a transgender activist. They weren't talking about rights. Uh, they were talking about the fact that women in sports just have to suck it up. I mean, it's a real hatred of women, what transgender athletes are doing and what the NCAA and others are allowing. It's a hatred of women. So how happy I was to see Andrew Sullivan say it with such clarity. It's about a cultural revolution and the abolition of biological sex. What we're seeing is not about rights. What we're seeing is about power. There's always a topic on top, just like we were talking about with Kurt. There's always something on top and underneath it is that power to get you to agree. I'll post this from Andrew Sullivan. It is worth the read. More to get to. This is Tony Katz today.